Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. Well, hi there. We're going to do something a little bit different today. God's put something on my heart, and I'm going to be running through some slides, and you'll see me probably in the corner of your screen, but uh, the slides will be in the, the center of it. So let me just do that right now and share the screen. And uh, the real question that I want to address is, why is the American church shrinking? You say, well, you know, our world is just so chaotic, and it's no wonder. I mean, we're under some pressure and so on. But, but let, let's, let's move from, from that point to the other reality. Um, did you know that in the five nations of the world where the church is under persecution, like China, Iran, Afghanistan, and even in the Ukraine right now, which is in a war, the, the church is growing. They're seeing revival, while the five nations in the world where the church is relatively free, which includes the United States, you would think if anywhere it should be growing. It should be, no, it's in decline. It's been in decline. In fact, look at China, for example, um, and this just goes through, uh, you know, 2020, basically, but it just shows the incredible growth of, of uh, the number of Christians in China. In fact, if trends continue, there'll be more Christians in China than in America in just a few years. And they're, again, they're under persecution. They have problems there, uh, being a Christian, sharing their faith, and uh, getting together, but it, they're growing. Similar thing in Iran and, again, other nations where the church is under persecution. But in contrast, uh, again, the American church losing, and these are not real current statistics. It's, it's actually worse than this. Just the number of pastors that lead the, the uh, ministry every year, every week, actually, in our country, and so on. But a church is losing people to nominalism, secularism, 3,500 to 4,000 churches closing their doors every year. I think it's actually more than that now. And so many churches did not add one new member through conversion growth. They just have people that move from one church to the other because they like, you know, the sermons better here, the music, whatever. And especially, the, you know, the, the younger folks are deserting, you know, leaving uh, the church in, in droves as well. And it's more than COVID, believe me. Um, so these are, these are realities. So why would that be? And I think as I prayed about this, thought about it, I want to share just a few minutes, you know, what I sense God is showing. But let me first open with a word of prayer. Lord, I just pray that this would be your words, not mine. These are things you have shown me. And I'm, I'm just as stuck as every other American Christian um, with some of the things we're going to be talking about. So I do not speak from a point of I got it all together. It's a daily choice for me to, to do what we're going to be talking about here. So I just pray that you would speak to every one of our hearts, including my own God, so that we can have the revival and awakening that we have been praying for. But I really believe that 
a big part of the reason that we're not seeing that revival and awakening is what we're going to be talking about today, God. Help us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So to continue, you know, we Americans have had it pretty easy for many years, surrounded by freedom, material goods, leisure opportunities that lull us into complacency. But because we're created with a hole in our hearts that only God really can fill, we are never totally peaceful and joyful despite all that we have. Isn't that true? And yet Satan and our flesh keep telling us that, well, the next the next thing that we acquire will somehow bring heaven to earth. But you know as well as I do, it never does. We need one more thing. And I, I just think of the rich young ruler. Uh, Jesus, you know, he comes to Jesus, says in Mark 10, Jesus loved this guy. He says, I've kept the commandments. There's one commandment Jesus didn't mention to him, the last one, don't covet. Don't get your heart wrapped around stuff. And so we have that amazing sentence in Scripture. The rich young ruler walked away from Jesus and was sad, not because he was poor, but he walked away sad because he had great wealth. We go, what? That's a jaw dropper. Don't you mean he walked away because he didn't have money? No, no. He walked away because he had great wealth. And we think of, you know, the, the, the poor widow that put in her last two cents. Jesus said she gave more than all the fat cats. See, God looks at what, what it is. She gave all she had. That's what God's looking for. And I think we're going to see that woman in heaven, by the way. But this guy walked away sad. And Jesus didn't chase him down the road. Now, I pray that eventually he came to faith in Christ, but he may not have. Wealth does not guarantee heaven. It doesn't even guarantee heaven on earth. We think it does. Jesus looked around after he had, after the rich young ruler walked away. He said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his word, and we get amazed. But Jesus said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, if you can imagine that, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, you know, with man it's impossible, God all things are possible. You know, the story of Zacchaeus, he was rich and he gave away much of his, he didn't have to give away all. Jesus was fine with that uh, because Jesus could look at his heart and see he wasn't holding out. He wasn't worshiping his, his stuff like the rich young ruler was. So that's okay. Money is not, it's per se evil, but it can become this idol where we think that it somehow, uh, you know, scratches the ultimate edge. Our riches actually become an idol to us to make us safe, valuable, and happy. We think what we need is something that we can't live without, something we literally worship. And that's where we are in America, my dear friends. That's where we are as fellow Christians. We need these things. We believe we can fashion a heaven-like existence for ourselves on this earth. If only I could get that next raise, that new house, that cottage, that job, that marriage, that whatever. Like a vacation, a spouse, a new spouse, whatever. That drug, drink, fix, achievement, standing ovation. I've said it many times that when I was traveling the country many years ago, uh, talking about the issue of abortion, and I'd written a book on the subject, and I got standing ovations. I said, you know, there's no drug stronger than a standing ovation. How long did that drug last? Maybe a half hour. Then you need another one. It's never, never enough. We think, well, if we can get those, we'll have heaven on earth. It's never enough, but we just don't quit. We keep trying, folks. 
And that's sad. So where do we go from here? Well, let's look at uh, one more little parable Jesus had of the rich fool in Luke 12. I, I just think that we Americans can be just like that rich fool. And I got a serious picture and a less serious picture here. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many. We just kind of think life's going to go on forever. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus says, he's a fool, remember? God's response to the rich fool, he says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? How many, how many hearses have a U-Haul behind them? You know, We don't take one penny to heaven with us or to eternity. Uh, and there you got the rich you know, fool that died the next day. See the, his wine glass spilling out on the right side. You fool, who will, you will die this very night. Who will, get, who will get it all and who will get it all? Yeah, well, that's it. So we just keep forgetting, my dear friends, and Satan is a liar, a father of lies, and he he just says, yeah, your life's going to go on forever. If you're like me, every year goes faster than the year before. Just zip, 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 zip. And before you know it, you know, you're, you're above 70. And we forget how short our lifetimes are. Look at 70 years is just 25,550 days, 613,200 hours. We could turn that into minutes and so on. There's no need to. Come on. It's even if you live to be 80, 90, even 100, it's soon over. Compared to that, eternity is truly forever. I mean, people that make investments, they try to do it for the long term. Well, this is that's what this is about. Moses did it. We read that in, in Hebrews 11, that he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Contrast that with Esau in the next chapter, Hebrews 12, where he said, I'll sell my birthright. I don't care. Give me that bowl of soup. Stupid. And that, that's what we do in the short run. We say, meet my needs now. We want to go for the long run. Hebrews 12, the beginning, talks about Jesus for the joy, ultimate joy set before him, endured the cross. That's what we need to do. Jesus said for us to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He wants our hearts set on heaven, not on earth. Colossians 3.1, we'll see that verse more clearly in just a minute or two. But what if we don't live in the U.S.? What if we live in a nation where we, we have to suffer for our faith? We're going to know more clearly. Remember the old spiritual song that said, this is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are let up, laid up somewhere beyond the blue. You know, some people say, well, they're people so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. That's baloney. C.S. Lewis said, you know, concentrate on heaven, you get the earth thrown in with it. I'm paraphrasing C.S. Lewis, but it's so true. The, the more we identify with heaven, the more gutsy we can be down here. And that's what we continue to say. We amazingly will become joyful in his presence as it says in Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. See, we will truly set our hearts and minds on Jesus, our eternal home in heaven. That will lead us to become more gutsy so we can share the God. That's what people do in these countries where they're persecuted for their faith. 
They say, this isn't heaven. They realize this isn't heaven, but there is a heaven. And they, they're experiencing it because they're in his presence. And they get, they get gutsy to share the gospel with others. They say, you should, you should get this too. And they join together with other Christians, regardless of denomination. And they show the world you know, the, the truth of the joy, faith, and love in the midst of their pain. So that the world says, boy, they, Jesus must be real. And that's why the church in these persecuted countries is growing, because they see the real deal. They don't see Christians that are absorbed into the things of this world like, like the non-Christians are, but they're heavenly minded. They're, they got their hearts set on things above. It's so exciting. They say, whoa, I want that. Even if it means persecution, even if it means death, that's what it's all about. So what should we American Christians do to forsake our idolatry of the things of this world and be all in with Jesus so that he can usher in that revival and spiritual awakening we've been praying for, like the revivals and spiritual awakenings that are right now happening in those nations that have persecution. So what do we got to do? Well, I got, I've got seven things, and again, there are more. Uh, pick some of your own, but these are seven that come to my mind. Um, number one, we need to be all in. I mean, these are being the way for us to be all in with our Lord, who was truly all in for us. Number one, pray and read his word daily. We need to feed on his word. We need to talk to him and let him talk to us. That's what prayer is. It's, it's, it's the, the communication part. This is what prayer is, the communication part of the most important love relationship that we have with God. You know, husband and wife talk back and forth with love. And that's what it is. It, it's, it's that love. we need to pray, not just help me, give me, help me, give me, help me, you know, bless his food, amen, but spend time with him, but then read it, let him speak to you through his spirit, but also through his word. And as he leads, fast and pray. Fasting can accelerate that relationship with him as he leads. Not to somehow make him love us more, but it helps us get more in tune and open to him. Uh, number two is to meditate on key portions of scripture that remind us about our need to not love this world, but to set our hearts on heaven. We seem to gloss over those scriptures, like these parables that we talked about, you know, the rich young ruler and and the rich fool, and there's so many others, you know, the Pharisee versus the, the, the publican or tax collector that go to pray. I mean, pride, it's all about me. No, humility, humble. So anyhow, here's some scriptures. Uh, one is the Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 4. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, your hearts, that's what we love our minds, what we think about, minds on things above, not unearthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's spiritually where we are. We're already with him. And let's enjoy that. And then when Christ, who is your life, there's another phrase. He's our life, appears. You also appear with him in glory. Well, I love that passage. That's a daily reminder to me is just get up there with him. That's where life is. It's not on this planet that's decaying, falling apart. All right, how about 1 John 2, 15 to 17? Do not love the world or anything in the world. I mean, that's pretty clear. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Boy, oh boy, why don't we believe this, Americans? 
For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. It's going away. Whatever does the will of God lives forever. Amazing promise. First Timothy 6, 9 to 10. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not love money itself, no, but love of money, and it can easily become that, something we worship, is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We just think the more money, the better we'll be. No, no. I mean, it's, it's like uh, uh, that the, the you know the, the whole movie series of of the the uh, Lord of the Rings, the precious, uh, the pre- Oh, I need this. No, it it'll kill you. We need to love God and love others and give up our stuff. And that's another thing that'll be coming. Another scripture here, First Timothy 6, that follows what we just read. Command those who are rich in this present world. That's really virtually all Americans, virtually all Americans, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He, he provides what we need. It's okay. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We need to learn, like Paul did, the secret of being content in what we do have and not lust for more. It's gonna, no, no. And, and not to put hope. This is we can't, this is just stuff that we use that we have temporarily on this planet but we can give it away and then we lay up treasures in heaven. What a, what a, what a neat opportunity. And uh, let's continue with these seven steps. Number three is to give all our possessions to God, including our time, our talent, our treasure. Actually, our time is one of our <laughs> most rare resources that we're going to run out of and we want to give God it all. And our talents that he gave to us, we just, Lord, use us. Be willing to give it away as he leads. What a joy we get as he leads us and we give to those in need. And we, we, need, we can't do this alone. You cannot live the Christian life alone. We need others because we have blind spots. So get in an accountability group where you can lovingly, at least weekly, encourage each other to be wholehearted. And when we fall short, have the guts to say to someone, let them have the guts to say to us, Randy, I sense you got some pride working here. You got some worship of stuff. And I say, oh, thank you. Thank you. Open rebuke is better than hidden love, it says in Proverbs. All right. A um, couple more. Daily choose to die to self. Boy, I'll tell you, Luke 9, 23 and 24, speak to me. Uh, Jesus said, "Any if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. What? Really? Yes. Our modern world says, no, be yourself. You know, whatever you feel, do it. God says, deny yourself and daily take up your cross and follow him. What do you carry a cross for us to be crucified? The old nature crucified. You say, that doesn't sound like fun. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. The, The way up is down. The way to live is to die to self and then let him live through us. And that brings joy. The way the way to, to receive is to give. 
given will be given unto you, and so on. And then live every day with the top goal of expanding his kingdom and giving him all the glory. Not my kingdom, not my glory, but be small, humble. Lord, it's all about you and your kingdom. Give him all the glory. And then finally, uh, number seven, choose to be willing. This is not easy. I'm not saying it's easy for me at all. But as our trends in our nation continue to get more contrary to, to, to the church and to Jesus, we're called haters and so on to maintain biblical truth in the area of marriage and abortion and uh, just life and sin. What is sin? What is righteousness? The world just says, you're a hater. You ought to be put to death. You ought to be canceled. <laughs> well, anyhow, should be willing, should he so-called to pay the ultimate price like he lovingly gave his life for us. He did it. He didn't have to. He gave his life for you and me so that we can be with him forever, be adopted into his family. How can we do less? My dear friends, can we choose today to, to give in to him, to say, Lord, I want you to have all, all, all of me, all of what I, quote, own, you really own it all. And that brings life, that brings joy, that brings peace, and it lays up treasures that we're going to enjoy forever in heaven. Let's close in prayer. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Oh, Lord, bring conviction to each one of us daily. If we're taking it back and living for ourselves, Lord, convict us. Show us what we're holding back on. We want you to have it all. We want total surrender daily to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow you. For he who would save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will save it. Again, counterintuitive, but so true because you said it and you are God. So thank you for this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just um, come back to this full screen and just say thank you for joining me uh, on this little podcast, and God richly bless each one of you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.